Hi, my name is Andy Glaze, and I'm an old, crazy ultra runner. to another episode of Old Crazy Runners. This is Fundy, the craziest of the crazy runners, and I've got my cousin, the ever oldest of the crazy runners. Oh, man, and today you are definitely going to want to stick around because we talk with Andy Glaze, who has a 100-plus mile per week run streak that is absolutely insane. I do not have that run streak, and I would imagine most of you all don't have that run streak, but we would like to ask you to rate and review and subscribe to the podcast and be sure to tell a friend, because you might have a friend that does 100 miles a week. We'll see. And if you do have a friend that does 100 miles a week, they probably use Strava, in which case they should drop by the old Crazy Runners podcast Strava Run Club and join in where they will find out that our co-host Fundy Finished in the top five last week for miles. Yeah, I think it's time that I just bow out and leave the run club because I don't think it's going to get any better than that. You just got to pull a Costanza, right? You just walk out of the meeting. Yeah. You, you did it. It's done. I'm out. You're out. One of the big things is that I beat our local legend, Drew Robert Roberts. I crushed his soul. I beat him by a mile. Okay. Almost. Oh. <laughs> I Well, it was a tenth of a mile, but I imagine he was... Close enough. He was running... Up the BPA hill, just like, one more tenth to beat Fundy. Oh. He gave up. And he, he collapses. He gave up. He couldn't, couldn't do, do it. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. That's, that's how I envision him falling a tenth of a mile short to you. That's how I envision it, too. Most likely what really happened is he had no idea. Uh, I do have to say I was cheating a bit because uh, due to travel schedule, I pushed my long run from last week into this week. So I had two long runs in one week, uh, both Monday and Sunday. But I am happy that I am now in taper mode. No more 15, 18, 20-mile runs on the weekend. So quick question. Was this one of your longest uh, miles week during your, your training schedule at 44? You had to have some weeks where you did more than 44. I think I've done more than 44, but that was when we were really hitting the trails hard. Taking into some of our guests that uh, are crushed our souls with their marathon times, you know, they're doing more like 45 to 50, 60 plus consistently. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to be doing that. I was just wondering, you know, Portland marathons right around the corner. Oh, wait a minute. You have one before that. I do. I've got one in a couple weeks. Um, I'm most excited about the... Eight miles I have to do this weekend. Only eight miles. I know, only eight. Just a little short yog. Oh, A little man. jaunt out into this trail. Yeah. It was, uh, we had a, we pushed it a little heavy yesterday, Scott Gelinas and I, on our uh, 12 mile. And I'm feeling uh, an easy run I shouldn't be feeling, but I also don't have to work up to a marathon in 13 days. Yeah, it is what it is. I'm ready. Uh, speaking of marathons, Dave McGilvray just finished his 50th Boston Marathon, 50, 5 Not just 50, uh, 50 in a row. That's just dumb. Uh, it was quite a race. Uh, Evans Chebet from somewhere other than Oregon. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, that was Ethiopia, or I'll have to check and see. We're going to get that wrong. Just uh, ignore our geography. We're not good with that. I didn't copy and paste that next to his name like I should have. Won it in a 20651, which is a blistering 450 pace. 
just insane. And the women's race, if you have not seen the finish to the women's race, uh, Perez uh, Jepchirir. Also, also not from Oregon. Uh, also not from Oregon. Um, she was behind going into one of the last miles and just kicked it and sprinted and passed the second place woman and crushed her soul to win. It was an outright sprint to the finish. It was an amazing finish. So if you didn't get a chance to watch that, definitely hit the Google, search for it, and watch that finish. It was freaking amazing. Yeah, it's it's even easier than that. Just go to the Boston Marathon uh, Facebook page if you want. It's right there uh, up front. Not only did she come from behind, but they passed each other two or three times in the last mile uh, to really push it out. It is a, a great, great watch. Speaking of the watch, I first saw the video. I saw her in second place on a cell phone video from our friend and uh, former podcast guest, Mike Arrett, who also ran with Dave McGilvray, uh, which we failed to mention. He always runs it after the Boston Marathon finishes, so he's probably still running right now. So did did Mike run it and then run with Dave, or was he there waiting for... Uh, he just waited. He was a wussy. He's not running it twice. He's just uh, going to run it once man, with he's, uh, Dave McGilvray. He has that in him. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm let down. I'm going to let we'll him let know. We'll let him know. <laughs> so good for Mike. I'm glad that he's out there getting that under his belt. I'm not sure if he'd had a Boston already on his list. He has run um, a number of races, so this is definitely one for the record books. Uh, I would have loved to have been there watching from way behind as both of them ran way faster than I did to finish his 50th consecutive. You saw a new Guinness world record uh, being broken uh, online. I did. So Kate Jaden just set the Guinness world record as the first woman to complete 100 marathons in 100 days, uh, beating the previous max of uh, 95. And not only is that an amazing achievement, but we're not sure how long that's going to hold. Well, it could hold for uh, nine more days because today, uh, Jackie Hunt Burzma, uh, of her Instagram handle is NC Runner Jackie, she just finished her 92nd in a row, uh, and it was at Boston. She ran the Boston Marathon, and as we've mentioned before, she's missing a leg. She's running with one leg and then one of those blade uh, attachment legs and man, she is crushing life. Kate Jaden did choose to do one more after breaking the record of 100 and set the mark at 101. So that is the current mark to beat, and that is definitely what Jackie Hunt Burzma is looking to knock down is uh, move from 92 to 102. So we got 10 days left to watch that happen. Today's guest put the C in OCR. This guy is consistently in the top 10 worldwide on Strava for the most miles run in a week. Top 10 in the world. In the world. I am certain that every single person out there is going to be as awestruck as I was just listening to everything that Andy talks about that he does. But there's a one thing in particular that stood out to me, and that is he tore his hamstring at mile five of a five-day race. And still finished. Well, he only ran 252 more miles. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and 40K of vert. This guy gets up at 2.30 a.m. every day, runs 20 to 30 miles in the morning, and then another 10 or so in the evening. You're going to love this conversation. Let's get to it. 
Andy Glaze, thank you for joining the podcast. It's great to have you. Thank you so much for having me. This is exciting to talk about. Absolutely. So Fundy lined up this conversation, and uh, I want to know how he came across uh, what you do because, you know, you run a little bit, apparently. Just a, uh, just a little bit. Yeah, I have a slight running addiction, I think. So we, I found out about you through uh, Brian Calloway. Is a he, he's basically a fanboy right. that runs okay. in your area and found you on Strava. So he's if you get uh, ever get attacked by a bearded six foot one ish guy in Hoka uh, trail shoes, it's probably Brian. Okay, the, <laughs> there's no bearded ultra runners out there, so I'm I'm sure it'll yeah. be hard to find them. Yeah, one of many, and and half of them are named Brian. So right, yeah, all right. all wearing Hokas. Yeah, I joined your guys' uh, Strava group there, but I think I'm going to end up crushing it every month for you, so I apologize in advance. We, we already talked about kicking you out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's <laughs> fine. Uh, yeah. You know, it's uh, it's important to set the bar high uh, for some people because it's aspirational and for others because it gives us somebody to bitch about. So there I, you go. I'm in the latter. Yeah. So it's a win-win. Yeah. I'm going gonna, uh, gonna to look at which month I actually match one of your weeks. That's 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 how I'm going to line up uh, the miles comparison there. So let's let's start with that because I'm sure we have a number of things that we can discuss. I was looking over your Instagram and uh, you've ran a handful of races here and there, but what really stands out is this current streak you're working on. So why don't you just line that up for us? Sure. So um, you know, there's a lot of run streaks out there, and a lot of run streaks involve running every day. Um, my run streak is a little bit different in that it's about volume and not necessarily running every day. Although I do run every day, but, um, my goal every week is to run over a hundred miles. So, um, I've been doing that for 102 weeks. In fact, I think today, uh, I surpassed hundred miles for this week. So now I'm at 103 weeks, um, straight and, uh, in there, in those 103 weeks, I also ran 18 straight weeks of 200 plus mile weeks. I have two back to back thousand mile months, um, which is something like 30 something miles a day for two months. And um, yeah, so my run streak is basically like a large amount of volume, but uh, I normally average about about 150 to yeah, 150 to 160 miles a week. I say 100 miles a week because that's kind of like the gold standard. Everybody knows that's really hard to achieve, but I I end up running a little bit more than that. So uh, last two years I've run over 8,000 miles each year. Um, each year. So each year, yeah. So like 2020 and 2021 I ran 8,000 something miles. So. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I guess on you know some level it's a bit freakish because in order to keep a streak going like that for so long, like you can't really get sick or injured. You have to you know figure out how to balance life around it. So I've done that, and uh, yeah, I guess I've been lucky. I'd like to throw a little perspective out there. Um, you you may not be quite aware as uh, our dedicated listeners, but I I have a spreadsheet that I use to track all my miles that I've ran since 2008. And I'm excited to say I'm going to eclipse uh, 8,000 miles total 
with the race we have this Sunday at the Vancouver half. So in the 13 years that I've been running and I matched your last year, uh, and now I feel kind of, kind of like I got to step it up. (laughs) Well, like I said, I have a, a slight running problem or addiction or whatnot. So, um, but it works for me and I like it. So, um, yeah. And in, in that, you know, I've done a bunch of races, like you said, and I, I, I tend to do a lot of ultra marathons when the schedule allows me to. So, so I have a, before we let that go. So how do you stay healthy and injury free and able to do this for so long? Um, you know, that's the million dollar question. I don't know. Well, I don't have a million uh, dollars, but do you have an idea? It could, it could, it could be, uh, could be genetics. Could be, um, I mean, if I had to like, I'm not a coach and I'm not a doctor and I'm not a scientist, but if I had to like, not, you know, say what I think, it's basically like, I run really, really slow. I'm neurotic about changing my shoes out every 400 miles. I have a pair of shoes that I run in that, you know, my body really enjoys. And um, I drink a lot of water. Uh, I eat a very healthy diet. I don't drink very much alcohol, no drugs. And um, yeah, all those combined, I think, uh, plus a very, very slow buildup to get to this point. Right. It wasn't like I was like running, you know, 20 miles a week. And then all of a sudden I went to like 150. Um, You know, the last two years have been 8,000, but I have a lot of, a lot of high mileage years and a lot of uh, a lot of hundred mile weeks under my belt before this whole streak started. So um, I think, you know, over time, my body's just gotten really used to it. And, um, you know, I've been lucky that most of the injuries that I've gotten, actually all the injuries I've gotten are, you know, they involve trauma. So falling. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I just had to work through mostly just fall injuries. and. Uh, and I, you know, I didn't ever get COVID, knock on wood, but, uh, you know, I got lucky on that. So, um, and, you know, if I get, I haven't gotten too sick or anything where I couldn't run. So eventually something's going to happen and I know it will. That's how streaks go. Um, but so far, I'm, uh, you know, I guess this will be uh, Monday. We'll start two years. I'll be at 104 weeks. So. You know, that'll be a good milestone. We'll be able to keep an eye on that yeah. <laughs> in, the, in the run club. So uh, before we let it go, what are those shoes that your body loves? Uh, I, you know, I use uh, Hoka Clifton's. So, but it's like, I, I'm kind of weird. I wear like the old models because I, I don't, well, one, they're cheaper. And then two, like, I, I, I don't like the new models lately. So I, I buy like the older models. I, I, it gets kind of weird because like, I don't like the eights. I like the sevens. So I'm hoping I'll like the nines because if I don't like the nines then I'm going to be in a situation. Yeah. Uh, Cause there's yeah. going to be no more sevens. Yeah. Yeah. Basically one year that happened, I think it was, I like the fours, but I didn't like the fives or the sixes. And I bought something like 31 pairs of fours. <laughs> like I bought every available four I could find online. I was even going on eBay and buying used versions of it. Um, and I made it through, and then I liked the seven. So I was like, okay, now I'm safe for another couple of years. Um, but, it, it, you know, you, you got you to gotta work with what works for, for you, you know. 
And um, yeah, I just, I'm really neurotic about changing them out. And I can actually like feel when they start to get like flat. So. So I have a segue question coming into those 31 pairs of shoes. Um, okay. I can uh, intuit that you are married because someone with the name of Lauren Glaze commented that you are the sexiest ultra runner alive. Right. A is that yeah. A is that your wife and B is that true? Are you the sexiest? No, I'm not. But yeah, she's my <laughs> wife. She's she's you know biased. What what were so. her comments on the 31 pairs of shoes? Did she have any um, advice? Uh, she probably or... went out and bought a bunch of shoes herself, so to like counter my <laughs> shoes. She she does like uh like the high intensity interval training and spin classes and all that. She's got she has a million shoes too. So okay, so I, it's when it's you fine. Buy the older brands are at least like they're cheaper, but yeah. um yeah, she's she doesn't get too crazy when I about my running stuff because you know she's she's been in it for a while. She knows what it's all about. So that's really all I spend money on is is running stuff. Good watches headphones, um, running shorts, and, and, you know, that's everything else I don't really care much about. So, Well, and each uh, thing that you spend money on is just a budget for her, for her thing. So, you know, exactly. it's, it's a win-win so for everybody. Complain, she doesn't complain. That's right. No mutual destruction. That's right. So, so uh, happy wife, happy life, right? That's, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so right now, in order to hit those numbers, you, you're doing, you know, minimum of 20, 30, maybe 40 miles in a single day. So what does that look like? Are these individual runs or are you typically going out more than once on still pretty long runs anyway? Yeah, I, I normally um, I normally run twice a day um, and I like to normally get my long run in in the morning. Um, I wake up every morning at like 2.30 a.m. and start my day that way. And then um, I try to get the bulk of my mileage done before like the family gets up or before, you know, something like that. And then in the evening, depending on how many miles I got in the morning, you know, I'll tack on another 10 or something like that. So um, if I'm not like in like racing where I'm tapering and doing stuff like that, I mean, ideally I like to get. 20 to 30 in the morning and then like another, you know, 10 at night and then at work. So I'm a firefighter and I can, I can exercise at work. And my goal at work is like to try to get like 20 a day. Doesn't always work out, but um, same thing. I'll, I'll get up at two 30 and I'll try to like, you know, get some mileage in the morning, but you know, I got to run 911 calls. So it's like, I'll run for 30 minutes and then we'll run a 911 call. Then I'll run for 10 minutes and we'll run a 911 call. And I just do that all morning until you know, um, till the day starts. So normally I can get like 13 miles in the morning and then I'll try to do like another seven or so at night at work. Um, but you know, it just, every day is different being a firefighter. So some days that happens and some days it doesn't, which is another reason why I don't do the traditional, you have to run everyday streak because if I'm at work and like I'm on a major incident or something like that, I might not get the opportunity to run all day. It hasn't happened, but the possibility exists and I don't want to feel like trapped that like my streak's going to die because of work. Right. So if I, if I run like smaller miles, I mean, there's been days when we've been super busy or we're on like a major incident or training all day 
and I only get like six miles for the day. If that's the case, that's the case. I'll make up the rest of the miles when I'm off work. So it's not not that big a deal. I'm getting paid to run, so I'm lucky. And and at the station, since you might have to stop immediately, is, is that on a treadmill or are you do you have like a internal track? How do you rack up those miles when you're at work? I, I, I just, I, I run like little teeny loops around the fire station. It's very, very monotonous. Um, I got to carry like a radio and I'm in like, you know, basketball shorts and, um, I have to be listening to the radio the whole time. It's, it's, uh, it's not ideal. Um, but you know, (laughs) it helps with the mental toughness. Yeah. So, um, because it's, to me, it's still running. Like, even though I'm doing like little, maybe like little quarter mile loops, like still running still getting paid to run. So, um, yeah, I, I can listen to like a podcast or an audio book and still listen to the radio. Um, I can't listen to music cause music will drown out the radio, but like, I'll just like get into a good podcast or a good book and, and then just kind of just do loops waiting for the next call. So, uh, my, my immediate mind immediately goes to the fact that, uh, I'm always looking for shortcuts. So I'm thinking, well, couldn't he get his guys to have his gear on the truck and they just pick him up on the way? They just leave the firehouse in the truck and they, you just jump on the side, jump in, change up and ready to go. That, I assume that's not a possibility and is not regulation. Yeah, it's it, not really. Well, they wouldn't really know where I was. Yeah, it's just not how it works. But We could get a GPS uh, beacon. We, could, we can solve yeah, those problems. Yeah. I mean, I guess, but... Um, I'm also, I'm, I'm the captain, so I'm not like just the like firefighter that's just going to jump on the side. So yeah, um, it, that complicates things as well. So a couple of issues to overcome with my plan. I see. Right. Right. So <laughs> I, I, I've uh, perfected what I do because I've, you know, I've done it for so many years. And yeah. Even before this streak, I, you know, ran at the station tons and tons of miles. So, um, well, I, I want to pick up on this uh, other insane number you've thrown out there, which is this, I get up at two thirty AM bullshit. Yeah. Um, right. with yeah. that? People trip out on that. That's a, you, you I not, don't get a lot of sleep. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, I mean, you don't really use the words getting up and two thirty at the same time. Usually, usually that's when you're going to bed. So when, I mean, are you a, a just a person that needs four to six hours? You're not really a full eight hour. I mean, I can't, how do you get eight hours of sleep and get up at two thirty and do that on an ongoing basis? It just seems crazy. Yeah, no, I, I get about four and a half hours of sleep. Uh, I go to bed like around, I like get into bed around nine and then, you know, fall, probably fall asleep about 10 and get up at 2.30. So um, just something, I mean, you know, I'll say one thing about myself in that everything that people write that say that you shouldn't do is like, I, I pretty much do it and it works for me. So I always tell people like, don't try to emulate what I do because it probably won't work for you because all the experts say, what I'm doing is it doesn't work. So, um, but yeah, I don't need a lot of sleep, you know, being a firefighter for years and years and years, like my sleep pattern is so disrupted that, um, I, I guess I've just learned to, you know, work on, on like small amounts of sleep. And, uh, I mean, it's not like ideal, like I'm not out there running like a seven minute mile at three o'clock in the morning, but, um, you know, for what the way I train and the way I run, it works out just fine. So, but yeah, I go, you know, four and a half. I mean, sometimes less if I'm at work because we can run calls all night. Um, and if that's the case, like sometimes I won't get up at 2.30 because, you know, I do need some sleep. 
<laughs> work's the only like wild card because I just I, you can't predict what's going to happen, you know. So, but yeah, at home it's pretty neurotic. I sleep by ten, wake up at two thirty. So. And do you get in a nap in the middle of the day sometimes? Yeah, I like to throw a nap in there. Um, you know, maybe after lunch or something like that. Uh, a nap. It's definitely at work, I'll nap because we'll be up all night a lot of times, and you gotta. But you know, then people might call nine one one during your nap, so you just you just never know. Right. So, but yeah, I like uh, especially in between if I'm doing a long run, and then another run in the evening. If I throw like a quick nap in there, it helps reset me a little bit. Putting out the phrase uh, "people call nine one one during your nap" means a whole different thing for Fundy and I than it does for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were. Yeah, we we get a pass on that one. Uh, yeah. So I want I want to shift gears just a little bit because I have a feeling we could probably focus in on the uh, cool training regiment that you have, um, and I want to talk a little bit more about how that transitions into your races and what you've done out on the trails. And first of all, I, I mean I I'm assuming you trail run aside from your laps around the firehouse, that that is your preferred avenue for out to uh, get your miles in is up on the trails, not on the road. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I prefer trail and mountain running. I'm, I don't really like running on the road. It's, I, I mean, again, it's harder on the body. Right. And uh, I'm trying to like minimize any sort of impact on my body because that leads to injuries and soreness and things like that. So and then obviously I'm trying to emulate what I'm going to do in a race. So most of my races are trail races. And so, you know, footwork and strong ankles and all that sort of stuff. Stability muscle use is, is important. So we have a pretty good trail system around my house um, in like the foothills. And then we have a couple pretty good sized mountains, like within like 20 to 30 minutes of where I live that. From like 10,000 feet to like 11,500 feet, I run those a lot. Not during the winter because it's like there's just too much snow. But, um, you know, in the summertime, like I, I'm up there a lot. Sometimes I'll hit them like two or three times a week. You know, like nine miles up with like 6,000 feet gain. Um, so like 18 mile loop or 18 mile out and back. That's what I love. I, I love to be in the mountains. So uh, 6,000 feet of gain over nine miles. That's a pretty good uh, uphill climb. Yeah, especially when you get to 11,000 feet because yeah. there's not a lot of oxygen up there. So uh, it definitely helps. It definitely helps in mountain racing to run mountains. I know you can do it other ways, but um, yeah, I, I like I said, I'm just really lucky that the mountains are so close and um, second home to me. I, I know all those trails like the back of my hand. But right now, because there's so much snow up there, I just run all our little local trail systems and there's still a pretty good like uh, amount of vert and everything that you can get. It's pretty easy to get at least 2,000 feet over 10 miles. And um, uh, yeah, nice single track, good flowing stuff. So yeah, it's what I, it's, it's definitely what I love. On the trails, are you uh, running with the Cliftons also on the trails? Uh, mostly, yeah. Um, our trail systems out here are pretty buffed out or like desert trails. I don't have a problem running with them if it if sometimes when i go up in the mountains depending on the weather and stuff i'll switch to the challenger which is just basically a clifton with a slightly more aggressive um like or sole unless it's like really really muddy or wet like i don't feel like i need the extra grip on my shoes but like i mean i've done 
UTMB a couple times and it gets really wet and muddy there. And in that case, uh, yeah, I need like a challenger or yeah, challenger. Let's talk a little bit about some of your trail runs. How many ultras have you ran uh, so far and what do you have coming up? You know, I don't know. I, I, I have, I don't count them. <laughs> um, a fair amount. I mean, I, I would guess somewhere between maybe like 50 and 70 races I've done something like that. Um, I do a lot of self-supported ultras, so I don't have to pay people to, to do them. But, um, I think the paid ones probably 50 to 70, I think I've done maybe 16 or 1700 milers. And then I've done, I did Cocodona last year, which is a, that 250 mile race. That was my first multi-day 250 miler. Um, and oh, I did a three day like loop course and I ran 230 miles once, but, uh, Cocodona is kind of a different animal. So a fair amount. I mean, I started slow. I always tell people, everyone's like, oh, well, how do you do what you do? And it's like, well, I ran a bunch of 50 Ks, just 31 miles. Then I ran a bunch of 50 milers and then I ran a bunch of hundred Ks. And then I finally bumped up to hundred miler. I'm not really fast. So I don't tend to like the shorter ultras because just like in a marathon, everyone's like, oh, 26 miles is so far. And it's like, yeah, but people sprint those things. And it's like, um, I, I find that that's like the same thing with like shorter ultras, like 50 Ks, 50 milers, like people like go balls to the wall in those, um, even though it's 50 miles, they can, you know, you can push the body pretty hard for 50 miles after transitioning to the hundred mile. Then I kind of just kind of fell in love with that distance. And I've been pretty much just doing those for the last couple of years and not focusing on the shorter distance ultras. So I saw recently, Oh, sorry. So I saw recently you posted that you uh, got a new PR for a hundred miler and you beat your previous PR by an hour and 20 minutes, but I didn't see what your total time was for that PR. Yeah. So last weekend, Saturday, so like six days ago, I ran jackpot 100 in 17 hours and 23 minutes. And my previous PR was 18 hours and 43 minutes at uh, Coldwater in 2017. Yeah, I didn't really ever think that I would beat that PR, um, especially not five years later as I've gotten older and, you know, all that stuff happens when you get older. But I just had a really good day and everything went to plan and worked out. And yeah, I was able to just really destroy that race. So, Congratulations. Yeah, it felt good. I, I would like to just point out that you said you're not not super fast I mean, you kind of highlighted your you know but yet that's a like sub 10 30 mile to hit that yeah, uh, that pr I mean, it is but it, you know it was a flat race and it was a looped race so um like a 2.2 mile loop so it's a little different you know um i'm not fast i mean kamala heron just ran like the same like a very similar course at the same race and she did it in 12 hours and 40 something minutes. So I did it in 17. She did it in like 1240. It's so only five hours. Fast. Sure. I'm, I'm like, you know, mid pack. Um, and then, yeah, there's a lot of people that are like slower. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I mean, it's, I'm not fast. There's people out there that are like fast. They're like smoking like these races. Well, I, I would, 
I would uh, argue that if your pace was close to the average finisher's marathon pace and a 1023, I'd say is probably in that range. I, it's fair to say you're fast. That's, that's okay. That's, that's an appropriate way. He's fairly fast. Fairly fast, fast. for an old yeah. guy. The key, the key with uh, like that race was that I just paced myself like really, really well the whole time. Yeah. And I stayed like very, very consistent the whole race and, and was just able to hold on at the end. Yeah, uh, two weeks before that, I ran jackpot, or not jackpot, Rocky Raccoon 100, and I did that in 19, 1937, I think, something like that. And then two weeks before that, I ran Coldwater Rumble 100, and I did that in 21 hours and one minute. And all of them have different, you know, like Coldwater's got like 10,000 feet of vert, Rocky Raccoon's got like six, but it was like really, really cold. Um, and then jackpot was like pretty flat and it was like half paved, half, you know, buffed out dirt. So, you know, 21 hours is like a 12 something, 19 hours was like an 11 something. So it, it just all depends. You know, I, I did UTMB one year and it took me uh, 36 hours to do 100, 110 miles. So it's all relative depending yeah. on the conditions and the course and yeah, the vert and all that stuff. And that was one of my questions, and you might have to uh, look at maybe other runners you know or or that you've been around to answer this in kind of variety of ways. But for me, like I'm a person, I need my sleep. Like I do not do well on limited sleep. And the thought of doing the 100 miles in 17 to 19 hours is like, okay, I, you know, if I'm physically ready, that's doable. But once I once I feel like I'm crossing that 24 hour mark, then that sleep deprivation has got to become a major factor. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it does like, um, I mean, you start hallucinating wild things happen past 24 hours. And I've had a lot of hundred mile races where I go past 24 hours, a lot of mountain hundreds, um, uh, go past 24 hours. So it, it's like a double edged sword. Like the nice thing about the 24 hour mark in a, in a, ultra is that the sun has risen and so like you get like a whole new level of energy after surviving the whole nighttime under a headlamp and then the sun rises and you feel reinvigorated um it doesn't last like a super long time but hopefully like you're not going to go too much further past 24 hours like even if you went like 27 hours or 29 hours like you're still kind of you know, maybe finishing around 10 or 11 in the morning. And, you know, your body probably is like still living off all that sunshine and everything that's like glowing. But uh, when you start getting into like, when I did Cocodona, it took me 119 hours and I slept a total of nine hours. So yeah, I was completely out of my mind most days, just hallucinating, living in a cartoon, you know, just, just, just running through Arizona trying to finish this race. And uh, I want to dial into that one just a little bit. So 109 hours, which is four plus days, right? 119. Almost five, almost five days total. Um, yeah. Almost five days total. You shorted him a day, Nicholas. I'm, I was trying to do some math in my head. My apologies. Uh, five days is 120 hours. Yeah. Five, so 100, let's just call it 125 days. You got uh, about nine hours sleep all across all five days. So what was the 
what what is the race itself that kept you out there for so long? Is it a set distance or was it just you know how many times you can run the loop until you fall over and and basically no. So Cocodona is um, it's a mountain ultra in Arizona and it starts north of Phoenix and and runs all the way to Flagstaff through the mountains and it has like over forty thousand feet of vert. And you're literally just going up and down through the Arizona mountains. And most people think of Arizona as like, like the desert, right? Like the Northern part of Arizona is very, very mountainous. Yeah. Um, and Flagstaff itself, I think is is sitting at like seven or 8,000 feet above sea level. It was very technical, technical to the point where it was almost unrunnable at times. So that would like slow you down and definitely the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, I had, Thought that I would do much better, but basically at mile five, I tore my hamstring on a Jeez. bad fall. And so basically had to run the rest of the race in like an enormous amount of pain. Actually, day, by day two, the leg had gotten numb. So uh, it, it was a little bit better, but then I kept tripping again and then kind of re-injuring it. I should have done better, but I didn't, but I finished. So it was kind of like my primary goal was to do better, but my secondary goal was to finish. So I, I got my secondary goal and I learned a lot. I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about running multi-day, multi-day events. I was one of the few, it was the first year they did it. And I was one of the first people that went out there and did it solo with no crew. So I had to manage everything by myself, um, which obviously made it a lot harder. Uh, learned a lot about that. Yeah. I basically ran my, my, Plan is I I would move for twenty two hours and then sleep for two, and um, that's that was every day for five days. So, although technically one night I didn't sleep, I just laid shivering, and was like with a space blanket wrapped around me because I was so cold. But uh, what was the total miles? Uh, two hundred fifty seven. Two hundred and fifty seven. All right. With yeah, like forty something thousand feet of vert. Well, and that's in that high desert. What type of uh, temperature swings were you dealing with from the hot to the cold? It was wild. Like when we, we went through Sedona and during the day, it was like 97 degrees, which, you know, was terrible. And you're, you know, no shade or anything. You're just in direct sunlight. And then towards the end of the day, we, uh, we had to climb this like giant plateau. Um, you know, Sedona has all those plateaus all around. Yeah. And at the top of the plateau, it became nighttime and that you, you basically ran that plateau into Flagstaff. I don't know how many miles, like, you know, probably 30 or 40 miles on this plateau, but that night it got to like, I think it was like 24 degrees. So I went from like 96 degrees to 24 degrees. So I got to like the aid station and I was going to like do my two hours sleep. And all they had was like open air tents with a cot in them. And I didn't have a sleeping bag or anything. Everybody else, had crew and they were like sleeping in cars with heaters on. And I literally, you know, they, they had mandatory gear. And one of my mandatory gear things was um, a space blanket. And so I got that space blanket out and I wrapped myself in it and, you know, tried to sleep for like two hours and just, just laid there breathing my own hot air and shivering. So it was, it was pretty wild. Nobody offered you uh, another seat in their car? No, I wouldn't have taken it because I was like, you know, really neurotically that I was doing oh, so gotcha. unsupported. So, yeah, I'm sure somebody would have offered if I'd asked. But, you know, I was on my own little 
like mission out there. So that was part of the adventure. Fully unsupported, you had to carry all your own food for that entire trek, and it's a point to point. Well, no, they had drop bags. They had drop so, bags, okay. But you know, I and I, you know, attempted without knowing anything about how the drop bags were going to work out. I put things in my drop bags, and then they had aid stations, so I ate a lot of aid station food. But all my like clothes and gear and stuff like that, like yeah, I had to bring with me. So I had a pretty full pack. Whereas like other people could be like, oh, I don't need my jacket. You know, because I'm running through Sedona and it's 97 and then they would get to like the next, well, I'm going to need my jacket because we're going up on the plateau. Like I had to carry all that stuff the whole time, which, you know, it's fine. Like I'm, I'm used to carrying heavier packs when I run, but, you know, it just added to the, the difficulty. But I, I think I'm going to go back this year and do it again and I'll do it solo again and, you know, hopefully do better. So that's the goal. What I, what I want to make sure we don't forget is you started that off by saying basically within the first 30 minutes, you tore your hamstring and yeah, then you carried yeah. on for another five days. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just had to like push through the pain. Yeah. So, I, I, again, I, things that doctors and <laughs> coaches and, you know, everyone tells you don't do those things and listening to your podcasts and you're, you know, embracing a lot of these guys telling you to like, listen to your body, like. I think your body is a liar and <laughs> I don't listen to my body at all or my mind. I just do what I want, but I've never gotten a shin splint. I've never gotten a stress fracture. I've, you know, like I said, I don't know, maybe it's good genetics. Maybe it's proper, you know, proper running form, good shoes, whatever, whatever it is, it's working for me. And I'm just sort of embracing it and, and uh, hoping it continues. So a couple comments there. One is that while <laughs> We talk a lot about listening to your body. I, I don't think we do it all the time. Right, right. Well, that's what it sounded like when you were, you know, in your other interviews. But at the same time, I was like, well, I'm going to probably give them a different perspective. <laughs> you know, I don't, my, I go through a wave of emotions when I'm like running. And a lot of times my body is telling me that I should quit and that I'm in pain and that this hurts and this doesn't feel normal and this, you know, and eventually all those sensations go away. So, um, and I was hoping that the leg thing was going to go away, but it, it didn't really go away. So just kind of numbed up. That was the other comment. So Nicholas and I are from Southern Oregon and we're from a long line of people that would agree with the fact that, well, it was hurting, but then it went numb. So I knew it was okay. Right. Until the next day when I couldn't move my leg again. But uh, but it's moving now. That was the next so day. Fine. Yeah, after yeah. Cocodona, that uh, my hamstring was in bad shape for God, I don't even know six months. Yeah, like if I sat on it too long, you know, putting pressure on it, like when I get out of a car or something, I I'd feel it. It's still, yeah, I don't know. I, it, it's felt good in the last six months, but for six months I was in bad shape for my with that hamstring. So I don't like that. That kind of sucked. But again, an injury caused by trauma, not necessarily by running too much or, or something like that. Hey, so you guys are from Southern Oregon. Have you done the nut 100K? Uh, well, let's no, just I've heard about level it. set a little bit here. I've got a couple marathons under my belt. Bundy's going to get oh, his okay. first one here in just a bit. And uh, we talk about going beyond that, uh, but we haven't. So now yeah, it, it'll be oh, happening. It's, it's always been on my bucket list to do. And so I was just curious. You know, with the nut, the North Umpqua Trail. Yeah, okay. give us give us a couple years, and we'll meet you there. Okay, all right, good. 
to and, ramp and by, up, keep by ramping that, up the miles. What he means is we're going to start running right now, and in a couple <laughs> years, she'll catch up to us. Well, no, give us one year to ramp our miles up, then we'll start, and then a year later, you can start, we'll meet you at the finish line. Well, it's like it's only 52 miles, so one of you could pace me the first 26, and then the next could pace me the last 26. Okay, sure. That sounds good. And I'll I'll run the middle. All right. Uh, (laughs) Done. Plus, the Umqua is, uh, it's beautiful. I think that's with the um, uh, uh, Windy River. Not the Windy River. What was the relay we passed on then? The fall? Oh, Rogue River. The Rogue, the Rogue River, River relay. Yeah, they do a relay from uh, uh, out to Gold Beach. Basically follows the Umpqua. Yeah, okay. I've done um, I've done Hood to Coast, too, like where you run from Mount Hood to the coast. Oh, we That's might know just a little bit about that. Yeah. I lived in I lived in Portland for like nine years. Oh, okay. oh great. So, so you, uh, you know... Forest Park and all the running routes yeah, and all that. That's stuff. where I yeah. learned. I learned to run in, when I lived in Portland. Oh, so uh, yeah. Have you done Hood to Coast just the one time or multiple times? Just yeah, just one time. I you know some friend was working for some company and got me on their team, um, but it was before I was like an actual good runner or anything like that. I just just was a runner. So that's how it starts. Some guy. Asked if I'd be on his team, and the next thing you know, you're running the UTMB. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's slow, slow progression. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's uh, that's cool. We love the Hood to Coast. I like the relays in particular. It is a different um, style of event, just uh, more of uh, the team focus for one. And uh, I like that you cover a long distance with only having to run a handful of miles personally, and then there's yeah. there's more beer involved. Um, right. It was fun. It was. I had a, I had a total blast. So. So, so I have a question going back to um, many of these ultras. You know, how how many calories are you having to consume on this? Like on this five day, I, I imagine you obviously you can eat some at the aid station, but you're probably also carrying uh, quite a bit of food. I mean, you just gotta be just jamming the calories down your mouth. I mean, yeah, yes and no. Um, I think uh, two things. One, I eat like solid foods. I don't eat any goos or gels or any any of that expensive stuff. When I run and race, I try to keep my heart rate in like zone two and three so that like um, my body can still like digest food. When, when you're eating like solid food like that, it, it tends to digest slower. And so I, I guess I don't get as hungry easy, as easily as I would if I was just eating like gels and goos and things like that, that your body just burns through really quickly. I also think that because I run so much, my body is like very, very efficient. So it doesn't need as many calories as like probably the average person does when they run. Like I know the gold standard number is like, oh, like 100 calories a, a mile or something like that. Or, you know, they, they have all these rules about eat this much per hour. I, I don't know. I eat about 100 calories per hour for like the first maybe like 40 miles, 40 to 50 miles, something like that. And then my body will start to kind of like crave other things and then I'll just eat other things. Um, and my, what I've liked to eat has changed a million times and how, as I run, but right now I eat like um, those organic fig bars, uh, which are like basically like fig nougans, but they're like, I'm a vegan, so I don't, I don't eat meat. It's a, like a vegan fig nougan basically. And I, that's sort of my, go to like first 50 miles, I'll eat one square every hour, which is like a hundred calories. And then, uh, but there's no, like, I'm not like 
my watch isn't beeping and I'm eating it. I just, my, I know when I need to eat and I, and I just like sort of like keep track of it. And if I start to feel hungry, then I'll eat too. But there's no like science behind it where I'm like following some sort of strict schedule. I'm literally just like listening to my body and like I've run so much that I know what I need to do. Then after mile 50, I start to sort of crave saltier things. And so I boil potatoes in salt and uh, I'll eat those. Um, I like fruit, like watermelon. I really like any sort of like burrito, bean burritos, avocado burritos, something like that. I'll eat, I'll eat that sort of food. And then um, lots and lots of Red Bull. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that's. That's the secret to life right there is Red Bull. Yeah. People will say, don't do that. Caffeine dehydrates, blah, blah, blah. But uh, I disagree. I think it works great. <laughs> uh, it works great for me. In fact, when I read, ran Rocky Raccoon, I think I drank, because it was, it was like 27 degrees. I think I drank a total of 30 ounces of water the whole race. And then the rest of my fluids were just Red Bull. And uh, I was fine. So, um but again, not a doctor, not a coach, just a guy with a running problem. Yeah, I, uh, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find many doctors that are going to recommend that much Red Bull. Yeah, well, the thing is, is like Red Bull really doesn't have that much caffeine in it. Everybody yeah. thinks it does, but... Um, Got a lot of sugar, though, right? And you probably yeah, really need and, that. You know, what do you, and there's like a lot of uh, studies that show that when you mix caffeine and, and sugar together, it like forms like a like really... like it's a great combo. Yeah. Um, they did a lot of, of uh, tests on hot shots, which are like the firefighters mm -hmm. that go out and like cut line in the forest. Right. You guys have a lot of them in Oregon. Yeah. They, basically they were able to show that if you just get caffeine, it doesn't work. And if you just have carbohydrates, it doesn't work. But when you mix them together, it's like a, it's a really efficient combo. So yeah. And it works. I basically, I'm not an energy drink guy. I don't drink them at all, except when I race. And, uh, I was racing in China and I was super jet lagged because it took 36 hours to get where this race was. And it was like 10 o'clock at night, which is super early in a race. And uh, I literally fell asleep as I was running. And my buddy who was also racing with me passed me and he's like, hey man, are you okay? And I'm like, dude, I just fell asleep while I was running. Never had that happen to me. And he goes, hey, you know, at the aid stations, they have Red Bull. And I'm like, really? I've never had a Red Bull before. And he goes, oh, yeah, you got to try it. It'll save your race. And ever since then, I've, I've been hooked on Red Bull during races. So right or wrong, it works for me. That's the only one you're going to listen to, the body, the body telling you to take it in. But, yeah, I don't know. You know, Strava says I burn, like, between eleven and 15,000 calories a race. So I don't know how much I take in because I don't know how much a boiled potato you know, how many calories are in that or how many calories are in an avocado burrito. But I normally lose about eight to 10 pounds per race and then spend the next week just overeating and trying to gain that weight back. That would be the best part is all the, is the, the gaining back all the food you get to have yeah, it's afterwards. Pretty, it's pretty fun. <laughs> so uh, you've, you've done a ton of races. Uh, you mentioned China. What are your, what would you say your top three uh, races for uh, just fun to do? I mean, UTMB is always going to be like the number one race. Um, for people that don't know, it's it's 
there's a ton of movies on it and all the movies are very true to what what the race is like it's it's essentially the world cup of ultra running you go to this like idyllic french um valley um surrounded by the alps it's like a like a ski resort town called chamonix and there's thousands and thousands of runners from all over the entire world um and they're all going to run a series of races i think when utmb has a couple thousand that run it but there's like 10 races going on all at the same time so this whole valley is just packed with runners and you start in france and you run into italy through the alps and then you run from italy into switzerland and then you run from Switzerland back into France. It's like a big loop. And I think you climb 10 or 11 peaks. And it is just, I mean, you're literally running through the Alps. And it's beautiful. And it's rugged. And it's hard. And the weather is crazy. And yeah, it's very, very difficult and very, very beautiful. That'd be probably number one. Number two would be that uh, I did this race in China. Um it, it, it's called Mount Galiagong, and it's in kind of like southeastern China by like the foothills of the Himalayas. So like on the on the border of Burma, you run, it's like 106 miles and you're running through these. I mean, it's the very rural area of China where there's not a lot of technology and tiered agriculture and every aid station was run by a local village. and You'd come in and they'd want you to like hold their babies and they'd take pictures of you. And um, it was just, I mean, just totally out of my comfort zone because I you know, had never been to China. Um, but it was, it was beautiful. You run through bamboo forests and you're just in the middle of China. It's, it's, it's wild. So I had to wear a little bell the whole time that was supposed to scare the bears away. Um, at one point, they put all this red powder on my legs and told me that no snakes would bite me if I had that powder on my legs. And uh, yeah, it was just it was a, an amazing experience, but a wild experience. And then um, probably number three would be Angeles Crest 100, which is sort of like our local where I live in Southern California, like the local big race. Yeah. Um, it was my first hundred miler, so it's like will always hold a special part, like place in my heart. And uh, I got sub twenty four there, which is like very very difficult to do. In fact, they give you like a a solid silver buckle if you get sub twenty four, which you know is worth several hundred dollars. Obviously, if it was easy to get, they wouldn't be giving out a solid silver buckle. So you, it's a point to point hundred miler, and. Uh, all through the the mountains um like kind of above la and all the foothills um before la so it actually has more downhill than uphill it's like i think it's like twenty thousand feet of vert and then twenty six thousand feet of decline so it's it's very very challenging on the legs um because if i know you guys neither of you run a hundred miler but it's the downhill that yeah. kills your legs, not the uphill. And so when you have more downhill than uphill, like it's really easy to blow your quads out. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'd say those would be my top three ultras that I've done. And I just want to make sure I heard that correctly. The very first time you ran it, you broke 24 hours and got the silver buckle. Yeah. But again, like I said, I, I 
I progressed very slowly to get to that hundred mile mark. A lot of people, they're you know they start they run one ultra and they're like I'm signing up for a hundred because they want the bragging rights or they want to you know that was their goal and they want to reach it. And I wanted to do it like the correct way and I wanted to slowly build and I wanted to when I ran that hundred mile race I wanted to make sure that I was like in peak physical shape for it. And I trained and trained and trained and, and, and was able to like, I got like 23, 45, so it was pretty close. But yeah. Um, yeah, I I really put all my energy and effort into to doing that at that race. So. And you said you started by just doing a ton of 50Ks. How many 50Ks do you think you did before you progressed to the 50 milers? I probably did like five or six, but then I, you know, I, I did a 50 miler and then I think I went back and did another 50K. And then I did another 50 miler and then I probably did another 50 K. I, in the, in the beginning, I jumped around a lot more. It wasn't like I only did 50 Ks and only 50 miles, but I, I was more, um, I, yeah, I would just, I would do all those distances depending cause some races only have certain distances, you know? So I would jump around once I hit 50 mile and I knew I could do 50 mile, then it's, it's more that mental game of knowing that you can do it. And then, learning how your body reacts to like the longer distances. Like there's a big difference between 50 miles and 50 K 19 mile difference. And that's like a huge difference, but from like 50 miles to like a hundred K it's not quite as bad. You know, it's only like a 12 mile difference. And then you would think like a hundred K to a hundred mile would be like a really big jump. But by the time you hit a hundred K, um, you've already pretty much experienced as deep as the pain cave as you'll probably ever get. So pushing it another 30 something miles is, is normally okay. Like you, your body's already pretty numbed out and you're already a little crazy. You've done all it's the just, damage. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's hard to explain, but mentally it, it's, it's not as big a leap, I think from hundred K to hundred miles, but I think the biggest leap is 50 K to 50 miles. That's a, that's a big leap. Because most people are like, oh, I can run a marathon. I can run a 50K. And I would agree with that. I would, right. 50K is very, very similar to a marathon. But a 50 miler is very, very different than a marathon. Uh, yeah, we had an opportunity to speak with Gene Dykes uh, a couple times. And uh, one of my favorite quotes from him was, uh, you know, once the first, you get past the first 80 and then, then that, 80, that 20 miles between 80 and 100, that's the hardest part. And then once you get on the other side of that, as he's talking about finishing a 200 miler, now you're halfway and you're almost, right. you're almost right. done, right? It's I all mean, downhill. It's all down. Da- you're getting closer to the end every step at that point. You might as well have finished. Yeah. Once you get to that halfway point, you start, the, the numbers start getting smaller. Then you start feeling a little bit more relaxed. Yeah. For sure. But you mentioned that as well, that, that 80 mile point and, you know, really what that means as far as pushing the body. And once you've pushed past that, then the limit beyond 80 miles gets quite large if you just know how to continue to move your body through that, uh, uh, that distance. Yeah. I mean, I think so. And I also like lately, I, I really try to just cruise until mile 80 and then that way I'm not like dead to the world when I get there and hopefully can finish the race. Well, um, when I was younger and stupider, I would just charge, 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 and hope I could hold on. And a lot of times I could not, and I'd end up having a terrible end of my race. But my last five or six or seven races, 
I, I try to go out real slow, just cruise all the way to 80. And then if I still have good energy at 80, then I can push it. So it tends to work out a little bit better. Nothing's more demoralizing than getting past the last five or 10 miles. I mean, at, at Rocky Raccoon, I had a guy, he was ahead of me the entire race, probably by a lot. And I just cruised in Rocky Raccoon. I was just doing my thing. Um, and I passed him at mile 99. And I was running like a nine minute mile. And he was walking. Yeah. So if I was him, that would suck. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'd, be, I'd be pissed. Yeah. But, uh, Should you put know, that on I, the back of your shirt for I, the next race. If I was that? put that on the back of your shirt for everyone that you pass. If I had ran if like was you, you, I'd be pissed. Up to this point, it would yeah. suck. <laughs> well, I, I think I, I passed like the last. So Rocket Raccoon is a 20 mile loop. The last 20 miles, I think I passed. 10 to 15 people. So it was like, I, I was just eating people up because I felt so strong that last loop yeah. where obviously everybody else had felt strong the first 80 miles, but then the last 20 miles fell apart. So, well, that's uh that's good advice. No matter the distance at all. I think that four fifths approach, you know, you, you, you can't come out in those first half to two thirds uh, thinking that that's all the race is because you will pay dearly at the end and i'm pointing to you funny right and, and, and a big thing is you can't get like overly competitive or like like this jackpot race some guy went out and he ran like a a 130 half marathon to start start the 100 miler he must have lapped me three or four times and i'm thinking to myself dude this dude what is he gonna run a 14 hour 100 miler i mean it was insane and then all of a sudden like about mile 40 he just disappeared like Obviously something happened and then I saw him later in the race walking and I'm yeah. like, Oh, he blew up and he fell apart. It's like, Shocker. you know, yeah. I, I want to go, why are you running a one thirty half marathon? Like that's insane. Like, yeah, I'm sure you felt great, but yeah, that's, that's like world record speed. Yeah. So before we let you go, I'd uh, like to highlight uh, your Instagram because it's very entertaining. Okay. A lot of funny questions. So it's it's A M Glaze. Is that that, is yeah. that correct? Yeah. Um, you know, some of the some of the quotes of, you know, people telling you how running's bad for your knees, so you should stop that. I just sort of uh you know, the the new everybody makes these little TikTok real videos and stuff and yeah. I I've just started doing them and I I enjoy them and they're silly and they're stupid and they're probably not everybody's cup of tea, but you know, I try to bring a little humor and laughter into the, like, you know, what we all do out here. You know, sometimes I'm sure it falls flat and sometimes it works and, you know, I'm just, I'm just having fun. So, um, if it entertains people, cool. And if it doesn't, then, you know, no worries. Unsub then unsubscribe. Yeah. You don't have to watch. It's exactly. a free country. Yeah, exactly. Don't fall. So, <laughs> so I have a technical question. A lot of times you're running with your GoPro max 360, uh, which is always awesome. So it's actually, it's, it's an Insta360. Oh, it's the Insta360, my bad. Uh, what are yeah. you using to carry that? Because those can get heavy, but I guess the Insta is a little bit lighter than the, than the Yeah, GoPro. so it's like, it's an Insta360, and then it has an, um, it's an invisible selfie stick. Yeah. So the software removes the stick, so it makes it look like a drone is flying in front of me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just, my running Solomon pack, I can just like shove it in. Yeah, and shove uh, it in and go, yeah. Yeah, it, it's not, it doesn't, doesn't really bother me. I mean, 
like I said, I, I, I do a lot of races where I have to carry a lot of mandatory gear. And so it just basically just feels like a water bottle right there. It's, it's not really that big a deal. But I, I've talked to like other people who are not used to running with weight or like like marathoners and, and, and stuff like that. They're like, oh, my God, it's so heavy. And maybe it is. But for me, it's not. So I guess, you know. Well, also as a firefighter, how, how heavy is your gear when you got to go into a fire? I'm, how, how yeah, it's pretty heavy, except 70 <laughs> extra pounds. But I'm not, I'm not running, so. But still, you're moving. Bit, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm used to having heavy stuff on. But like, you know, UTMB, you have to, I think, nine pounds of mandatory gear. So, I mean, I, I literally look like a turtle with my backpack, like, like jutting out from the back because um, I have so much mandatory stuff in there. So, and, and every race is different, but there's a lot of races out there that make you carry a bunch of mandatory stuff, jackets and waterproof this and space blankets. And they would uh, have to add so, a defibrillator to uh, well, everybody our should go list follow him. If, if we're going to finish one of those 100 miles. <laughs> defibrillator. <laughs> I'm sure you guys have very healthy hearts. That would be a great way to even the race when andy runs with us is that he has to carry a defibrillator oh which see, i, I thought you pretty heavy it's got to slow him down at least a little bit yeah but see i'm a i'm a paramedic so i don't and, need and, to carry one of I those thought you, you I missed the golden opportunity there the funny. he's not carrying a defibrillator he's got to carry our stuff <laughs> he's got to carry yeah. our stuff oh, oh, by the way okay perfect that's the best so what's your next race coming up andy uh i i mean i think it it's probably going to be Cocodona. I might, there's a couple races that I might do. It just, I don't know if they're going to work with my work schedule. Um, I'd like to do one of those backyard ultras where you run the four mile loop. Yeah. Kind of trying to find one of those. We'll see. There's one in March that's near me, but I don't know enough enough people signed up. I don't want to go out there if there's just five people or 10 people. I'd like to make it a little competitive. But uh, I think I got Cocodona. I got San Diego 100. I'm in UTMB again this year, and then I signed up for UTMB Mexico, which is like a brand new 100-mile race that UTMB bought that's going to be in Mexico. So yeah, I, I like to do races when it's their first year um, So because they tend to be harder, and you have to like overcome a lot of obstacles that you wouldn't, you know, like because everybody's trying to figure it out. Yeah, they so, don't have the logistics yet. <laughs> Yeah, like the, when I did the China race, that was the first year they ever did it. Um, Cocodona last year, that was the first year they ever did it. So I like that aspect. I like being the first. Oh, you know what? I'm doing another race uh, right after Cocodona called um, Santa Monica Mountain Ultra, I think, which is a, a first-year race um, that goes through the Santa Monica Mountains. You basically start in Santa Monica and end at the tip of Malibu. Um, that'll be fun. That, that that trail, it's called the Backbone Trail, and it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I've been a little stir-crazy because all the races got canceled for the last two years, and so this year I'm, I'm being a bit bullish with how many races I signed up for, but um, I'm having fun. So Yeah, that's fine to have a couple extra on the calendar. Yeah, I mean, I, two years of no yeah. racing was, was hard, on, hard on me, hard on a lot of people. Yeah. So I lost a lot of money in race registrations and hotels and all that stuff during all that COVID nonsense. So 
We'll definitely look forward to seeing uh, those race updates on Strava and being able to give you some kudos on going out there and kicking ass. And don't, I like, I'm neurotic about uploading all my stuff on Strava, but I have so many social media accounts to, to like manage. I don't spend a lot of time on, on the actual app. So don't get like hurt if, if I don't like respond or like your runs and stuff like that, because it's, uh, it's, it's hard for me to manage all these different social sure. medias and run sure. this much and have a family and a job. Yeah. All I heard is that I can flick you oh. shit on Strava and you're not even going to care or notice. That's all I heard well, from that I'll, conversation. I'll see it, but it's, 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 and Strava's really not set up well to like respond to people and stuff no. like that. I mean, yeah, it's, it's weird because, because the other thing about Strava is like, I'm, I'm always in like the top 10 of the world. Um, so I get all these people that follow me like thousands and thousands of people. And then they all comment on my thing, all my runs. And Strava doesn't have like a really efficient system of like responding. And then they limit how many people you can even respond to. So after a while, I was just kind of like, oh, this is, this is too much. So yeah, I love the app, but it's also like, you know, it needs to grow a little bit more. But But again, not a lot of people out there have thousands of Strava followers, right? I mean, it's just, that's not a thing, so. Well, I'm glad it's set up uh, at all, just because it is uh, fun to watch you put in all those miles. And like I say, it's mostly inspirational uh, and only slightly aggravating. And <laughs> definitely look forward to seeing you be at the top of our list time and again. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for having me. And, you know, thanks for talking running with me. That's my favorite subject. Thank you. So I picked up on a number of comments that, uh, you know, might say you were casually introduced or sloughed through uh, that I want to highlight. But I'm going to start off with the one that stood out the most, which was, I just cruise up to mile 80. Then I kick it in. Yeah, you don't want to just blow it out up into mile 80. Everybody First knows 80 that. First 80 miles, you know, we're just, just breaking the engine in. That's right. Seeing how everything is going to work out. Um, that is a crazy, crazy amount of running that he has done for an insane amount of time. And i not even going to hesitate you, to use both those words together because that's the only way to describe what we just talked about. Well, did you notice the last thing that he casually dropped off? Uh, oh, what, what, did you, what was that? Well, usually I'm in the top 10 in Strava. Oh, in the world. Distance. In the world. In the world. <laughs> just, drop, just drop that in there. So it's got a lot of followers. So if I yeah. don't see your you know, comments, don't, don't be upset. One thing that I loved was how he talked about ignoring his body entirely when it hurt, but not when it was hungry. Yeah. You gotta <laughs> eat. You gotta eat. Man, you, gotta gotta eat. To your, you gotta listen to your body unless it's telling you it's hurt and then ignore the whole thing. Because that's just going to slow you down. Yeah, and which brings me into a, a slightly separate topic um, that I was going to say there, but I didn't feel like it was the time and place. But I think I'm going to say it. And I know this is a, a contrary position, but I think the Fig Newton's the best cookie. Oh, I'm with you. The Fig I Newton is amazing, and it doesn't get any press. Okay, first of all, I'm going to actually argue with you. You know why? I, it doesn't get any press, and it's because it's a mini pie. It's not a cookie. <laughs> it really. Oh, that's fair. 
Maybe that's it why is, I love it so much. It is filling wrapped in crust, therefore yeah. pie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is. It is. Uh, it is the most underrated mini pie out there. I hadn't even thought about using that for fuel when we're running, but I'm definitely going to throw the Fig Newton into the cycle and give it a run. Yeah, well, they have those uh, fancy Fig Newtons that Costco sells. The ones that you get the Fig Newton and the Raspberry Newton and the Blueberry Newton. Oh, man. That's just going to give, you know, more test reasons. <laughs> you need, we need a whole new spreadsheet. I'll have to add that into a column. Which, which Newton did I feed myself with? Track that with my results. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm not going to see any significant change. You might. Just you don't know. (laughs) So for all of you out there, again, Andy Glaze, AM Glaze on Instagram is an enjoyable uh, following. He does have some great things out there. I I didn't ask. I saw he has an LFG on uh, some of his posts. I think that's uh, Let's Fucking Go. That's what I'm guessing. I'm thinking uh, so. That's his start line. Yeah. And uh, it is cool to watch him run without with the GoPro on the stick, and the stick is gone. It took me a second to figure that out. Yep. But definitely check him out. And if you want to keep track of really how many miles he's putting in for the year, join the old crazy runner Strava Run Club. He'll be at the top of that list week in and week out, I guarantee it. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's going to add maybe another 100 weeks to that 100-mile-per-week minimum uh, just running laps around the, uh, the firehouse. But be sure to join the old Crazy Runner Strava Run Club because uh, not all of us are doing those crazy miles and you, you're going to fit right in. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Old Crazy Runners. Take a moment to rate and review the podcast and always share it with your friends so they can join in with all of us for these great episodes. And be sure to go by Strava and join the old Crazy Runners podcast Strava Run Club because that's where all us old crazies hang out. It's where we encourage each other to keep getting out there, to keep putting in the miles. And keep being old crazy runners.